Hello and welcome back to the Trap Game Podcast. I am your host, Mark Cruthop. We are back. Took a week off um, as we have football officially. The football picks are back every single week, every Tuesday. I'm going to be putting out my picks for the week. Um, Also pretty exciting is that this is the first episode I am under the Belly Up Media brand. Uh, So that is extremely exciting. Thank you again to the guys over there for believing in me and bringing me on. Um, Hopefully I can bring something new. And yeah, I just can't wait to get started. Um, It's going to be a great NFL season. I mean, let's hope. College football just started. Uh, Pretty decent week uh, for the books there. I got extremely lucky on that Florida State LSU under, if anybody watched that game. That was absolutely nuts. I thought it was over. Um, But sometimes the betting gods just have a weird way of taking and giving. Um, But before I get into the picks, I just want to touch on... Aaron Judge versus Shohei Otani, uh, because it is getting down to that last week of the month. Um, since my last emergency Yankee podcast, um, it has gotten a little bit better for the Yankees. Still a lot of concerns there. Um, Anthony Rizzo just goes on to the IL today. They do call up a couple of their young studs finally. So that's really nice that they are doing that um, because you see it for other teams. They're bringing up their young guys, uh, the Braves in particular, calling up younger guys, making an instant impact on that team. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about the Yankees more. But I really just want to talk about this Judge Shohei Otani MVP discussion. Um, and at this point of the year, with how Judge has played all year. It's it's not a small sample size. Sure, he's hit a couple mini slumps, like two, three games where he hasn't hit a home run. Uh, but even then, you know, he's, he's consistent in the field on a day-to-day basis. He is a gold glove caliber center fielder, right fielder, whatever you want to call it. But I'm so sick of hearing that Unless Judge starts pitching, that he can't be the MVP. Okay, if that's the case, get rid of get rid of the award until Shohei Otani retires. Give him the award every single year. We're not ever going to talk about this award until he's gone. Because if that's your only qualification, is that oh Judge doesn't pitch, so he can't win it. What kind of bullshit is that? The dude is on pace to beat the Yankees' single-season home run record. It's okay. You know, sure, it's just the Yankees. It just happens to be 61 home runs. The next closest guy to Judge, Judge hit 54 yesterday. Number 54. The next closest guy is Kyle Schwarber with 36. He is 18 behind Judge. 18. And you want to sit here and tell me? You're like, I could understand if Otani had 45, 50 home runs. He was hitting over 300. Judge is hitting 302, 54 home runs, 117 RBIs, and 400 
84 plate appearances. And that being said, that's on a first place team who has been struggling mightily. But guess who hasn't been and who has been the constant in that lineup and is still helping them win games and maintain that lead in that division? None other than Aaron Judge, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want this to come off as that I don't like Shohei Otani because I do. The dude is awesome. Like, don't get that twisted. He's hitting 270, 32 home runs, 85 RBIs, in two less plate appearances. Okay? And this is on a third place team, but is 28 games back of the division. And in the wild card, they are 16 and a half. So, yeah, he might be most valuable to that team. But to sit there and say that he's a more valuable player than Aaron Judge is just so asinine at this point. And you clearly have a Yankees hater bias. If you truly, truly think that Aaron Judge does not deserve this MVP over Shohei Otani. It makes no sense. The most valuable player should go to a winning team. Sure, we gave we gave Mike Trout a couple passes because it was Mike Trout, and he was putting up historic seasons every year for like six, seven years. And even then, they were flirting with the playoffs. They didn't make it a lot of the time. But okay, you know, I see that, and no one was performing to his level. This judge season is better than what Mike Trout has ever put on the field. I don't want to say ever. But let's just say it's Mike Trout-esque, if not even more. And to sit there, like I said, and to sit there and put Shohei on this pedestal like no one can ever touch how valuable he is, is just the dumbest thing ever. So hopefully Judge wins the MVP. He deserves it. Not saying Shohei isn't a great player. If you're going to give him anything, give him the Cy Young Award because he does not deserve to be in the same conversation as Aaron Judge for MVP. He just doesn't. I'm sorry. Judge is top five in every or every single offensive category besides average, and he's sixth there. Shohei, 270 average. I think he was sitting about 47 overall. So... I would, I would love to hear that argument. If you can make me a legitimate argument that doesn't have to do with Otani's pitching solely, then I'll listen. But if your only argument is, well, he pitches too, then your argument is invalid. You shouldn't watch baseball. You clearly don't watch the Yankees and see what Aaron Judge is doing on a night-in, night-out basis because it's insane. The dude is single-handedly keeping the Yankees afloat. And Shohei Otani single-handedly helped them to a 28-game deficit in their division. So I don't want to hear Judge Otani anymore. It's Judge unless he goes 0 for, 0 for whatever this last month. If he doesn't get a single hit, doesn't hit a single home run, 
Sure, then we can re-enter that conversation. But until then, we both know that that's not going to happen. We all know that Judge is going to finish this season strong. More than likely, he's only seven away from breaking the single season record, or at least tying it. One more away from the most home runs by a right-handed hitter in Yankee history. So it's Judge or nobody, in my opinion. Like I said, give, give Otani the Cy Young if you want, but that's all he deserves. And that's still amazing for, for that guy to win the Cy Young. So, sorry, I had to get that off my chest. But let's get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. NFL spread picks every single game we are going to go through. I'm going to give you the spread winner or what I think the spread win or the, the who's going to cover their spread, their number. I'll give you the over-unders, but unless I have like a really long, really uh, nice lean either way on an over-under, I'm not going to give out every pick for that as well. But if I do feel really good about one, I will tell you. I'm also going to give you a super lock, and we are going to go with survivor pick every week um, and see how long we can keep that going. So... Thursday night, the very first game of the season, the Buffalo Bills minus two, the Los Angeles Rams are at home. The over-under is 51 and a half. What a great game to start the season off with. Um, My thing here is I'm still worried, even though, you know, they can say all they want that they're not worried about it. But you have to be a little bit worried about Stafford's elbow. Until until he shows that he's completely fine, he's making those throws, I can't sit here and be confident in taking the Rams against presumably, they're not not even presumably the odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um they're healthy. Josh Allen is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP this year. So, me personally, I do have to go the Bills. The Bills are going to be my pick here. Uh, Like I said, if Stafford was feeling healthy um, and that that shoulder was or the elbow wasn't a concern, then I would probably pick the other way here. But I'll take the Bills to cover that too. Um, The over-under 51 don't have a strong feeling either way those are two really really good defenses very first game of the year usually the offense kind of i mean at least with college football this year i was getting killed i was getting killed on overs so i would probably lean the under here might take them a couple drives to get that offense going. And by that time, 51 and a half is a huge number in the NFL. So Bills minus two over under 51 lean towards the under here. Moving on to Sunday, Ravens at the Jets. The Ravens are minus seven. You have to lay 115 if you want to get that Jets plus seven. Um... This is a strange line to me, and I'm not going to touch it yet because as of right now, Zach Wilson supposedly is still hurt. Um, It's from everything we've been hearing is that it's supposed to be Joe Flacco that's going to start. And 
I'm not going to be a believer in Joe Flacco ever, um, especially against the Ravens, who historically just are very, very good at beating the crap out of bad teams. Um, Not to say the Jets aren't on the upswing here, uh, because I think they are. They had a really good draft. They get Carl Lawson back. They get a couple nice pieces on their defense back. I just can't sit here and be confident in the Jets. Um, Clearly, Vegas does like that plus seven at the minus 115. Um, That being said, the over-under is 44.5, and the under is juiced to minus 115 as well. So Vegas does think this could be a lower-scoring game. They do think the Ravens might not have that offensive firepower to really pull away from the Jets. And honestly, I can't disagree. You don't know who's going to be in the backfield. We really don't know who... Look, I, you guys who have listened to this show for a while know that I'm not a big Lamar Jackson guy. Um, you get rid of arguably his number one receiver, Mar- Marquise Brown, over the offseason... Sure, you have Rashad Bateman, but he hasn't really showed yet. You know, I mean, I know it's his second year, but he hasn't really showed that he's a guy that Lamar can lean on. Um, You do have Mark Andrews, who's a solid option and should have a big year. But other than that, like, if you can contain Lamar in that pocket, Lamar's a guy that needs weapons to throw to. He's not your most accurate passer. He never has been. He never will be. But he kind of needs to get bailed out. And I don't think you have anyone on this team that can bail him out. Um, so even though I'm not a huge Lamar guy, and I I think there's going to be a lot of times where I pick against the Ravens when they're favorites, this is not going to be the start of that. Um, maybe if Zach Wilson was playing, I might lean towards that plus seven. But... That defense, the Ravens should at least win by seven. At the worst, get you a push. Uh, they they can 100%. You know, if this is the same Ravens team, they could win this game by 28, you know. Uh, so I'm taking the Ravens at the minus seven. Don't like the 44 and a half either way, because uh, like I said, don't necessarily think the Jets are going to score a ton, but the Ravens can put up 21, 28 points in the first half, depending on how good this Jets defense has become um so yeah Ravens minus seven at the minus 105 the over under the 44 and a half I'm gonna stay away from like I said just don't feel good about it either way uh moving on to the 49ers at the Bears the 49ers are minus seven minus 105 uh so the bears are juiced to minus 115 at plus seven the over under is 41 and a half the under is juiced to minus 115 um so this one's an interesting one to me uh everyone loves the niners loves the niners this year um understandably so the niners are a good team my only drawback here is we don't know what Trey Lance is. Everyone is expecting Trey Lance to come in here and and just be this like seasoned vet and lead the 49ers to the division. We don't know if he's good or not. 
why, why are we automatically assuming that Trey Lance is just going to be this awesome quarterback? He hasn't done anything. And I think that should show, considering the fact that they kept Jimmy Garoppolo. If you are 100% bought into Trey Lance, Jimmy G would have been gone months ago. But I don't fully think they trust Trey Lance 100% yet. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bears are terrible. And they're going to be very bad for a long time. Okay? Same thing. Like, Justin Fields didn't really show much to me last year. And I don't think if you're listening to this show, you can sit down and be like, man, Justin Fields was awesome last year. He's going to have a great year. Based on what? And I get it that he's playing on a bad team. I just I just can't sit here and just be like, man, Justin Fields is going to take this huge leap this year and lead the Bears to a couple wins. I mean, I think the Bears have a chance to be the worst team in the league this year. But week one is a weird one. Like I said, Trey Lance doesn't have a ton of experience. Didn't have a lot of experience even in college. This kid hasn't even played a lot of college football. Football, just football in general, in the last three four years, and I'm I'm supposed to lay seven points in Chicago with a kid that's unproven. At least Justin Fields played a full year, almost. So me, I'm I'm taking the Bears here. It could be this that weird thing where you know what two years ago when. The Jaguars beat the Colts in the in the very first week and then didn't win one more game all year. Like this has that weird feeling to me that the Bears just might sneak up on the Niners. If this was Jimmy G playing and he could command that offense, and I I get it, you know, the dude's not the best quarterback in the world, but he's got a winning record. He's been successful everywhere he goes. We don't know that about Trey Lance. We do not know what kind of quarterback he is in the NFL yet because he has not played a substantial amount of football for me to feel good about laying seven points. And, I mean, all honestly, I'm, pro- I'm this is a no bet for me either way. I'm definitely interested to see how this goes, see how Trey Lance plays. It could just be a case of maybe I'm overthinking it and the Niners just beat their doors in because they are a better team better constructed team they have the role players um but i just don't feel comfortable trusting a guy that hasn't played in the nfl enough to lay an entire touchdown on the first week and and in truly his first real start so yeah bears bears plus seven there um let's move on to the colts and the texans the colts minus seven um over under 46 and a half. This one's an easy one for me. I'm taking the Colts. They are a strong team this year. They should beat the tar out of the Texans. The only thing that can really derail the Texans here is if Davis Mills has progressed. Um, no one, I, I don't think he has to the point that he can beat the Colts. The Colts were already a good team last year. Um, they just ran into a guy named Carson Wentz who happened to be their quarterback and didn't really, you know, should have been a playoff team 
but uh, the Jaguars happened, and that was really embarrassing. So I think the Colts are going to come out here. Uh, they're going to really want to make a statement. I just can't see them stopping Jonathan Taylor. I can't see them bottling Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's going to have a huge day. That defensive side of the ball is awesome. You bring in Stephon Gilmore. I mean, I, this. I think this game just sets up terribly for the Texans, and I, I think the Colts win this one easy. I think this is a 17, even a three touchdown win for the Colts. I, I think it's pretty simple. I don't think the Texans score a ton in this game. Um, I, I think I could see a 35 to seven kind of, kind of thing going on. Um, and I could definitely see the under hitting the over under is 46. Yeah. I, I just think this is going to be a really long day for the Texans. Um, but we'll move on. We don't want to spend a lot of time there. This is going to be a fun one. The Cleveland Browns against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers minus two and a half. The over-under is set at 42. Just off of game game story, game script, how fun this one should be to watch. Um, aren't the, aren't the schedule makers just so great? Like the Baker Mayfield goes to the Panthers. And of course the first team he's going to play is the Browns. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. You got a healthy Christian McCaffrey back. Um, you have a healthy, uh, Terrace Marshall who they didn't really get to see last year. I think this game sets up. At least good enough where the Panthers should be able to cover this minus two and a half. Um, the Browns are a good team. And if it if Deshaun Watson was playing, um, he doesn't deserve to, so I'm glad he's not. And I still think that 11-game suspension is a joke. He should have been out the entire year. But Jacoby Brissett isn't terrible. I could definitely see the Browns winning this game. Uh, let me put that out there. I can definitely see the Browns winning. Um, so, honestly, if you are inclined to take the Browns here, just take the money line at the plus 115. Um, that plus 2.5 really isn't helping you besides losing you a little bit of money in a parlay or something. Um, so, I would definitely take the Browns at the plus 115. If you, if you want the Browns, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to pick the Panthers just because I think Baker's going to want to just throw all over this team. I think he's going to want to make a statement. I ne don't necessarily think the Panthers are a good team. But in this spot right now, I think the Panthers do just enough to squeak out at least a field goal win. Um, so I am taking the Panthers at that minus two and a half. The over under of 41 and a half. Um, I don't feel good either way. I guess I would leave the under here just because, like I said, I don't think the Panthers are an offensive powerhouse by any means. I could definitely see this game being like 17 14, um, 7 13 10, just like a low scoring drag them out game. Uh, Miles Garrett will definitely get to Baker a couple times in this game. So I think the clock's going to be running a lot. Don't necessarily think there's going to be a lot of chunk plays here for either either side. 
So again, that is the Panthers at minus two and a half. Lean towards the under at the 41 and a half. Alrighty, next game. We are going to go the Steelers at the Bengals. The Bengals minus six and a half. The over under is 44. Okay, I'm a big Bengals guy. My dad grew up in Cincinnati. I grew up a Bengals fan before I started uh, watching the Cardinals. This game feels a little fishy to me. I do like the Bengals to win, but with Mitchell Trubisky being named the official starter today, Trubisky has shown flashes of being an okay quarterback. I don't think he's going to lead the Steelers to the playoffs or the promised land or anything because obviously at some point, I would say even in this year, Kenny Pickett is going to start for the Steelers. But I think a healthy Steelers team, that healthy Steelers defense should do enough to at least let the Steelers hang around in this game. Um, and I, like I said, I'm a big Bengals guy, but I wholeheartedly believe that they overachieved last year. I think that they are a good team, much better than they have been in past starts to the years. But I'm not really fully bought in yet. Joe Burrow did just have that surgery in the offseason. We don't know how he's going to be moving around yet. And this is a tough test for a kid that just came off of surgery. To, to, he didn't play in the preseason at all. So to have to come out and play that Steelers defense in week, week one and not having played at all is a little concerning to me. So personally, I think the Steelers defense plays a good enough game to keep the Steelers at least in the game. And uh, Evan Money McPherson makes like a 60-yard field goal to win the game for the Bengals. I could 100% see that. The over-under seems a little bit high to me at 44. I don't see the Steelers scoring a lot of points. And like I said, I think there's, the Steelers' defense can keep the Bengals in check, especially if they can kind of hurry Joe Burrow. And if he's not 100% yet, that could affect his play just a little bit. So we're going Steelers plus the 6.5, the over-under of 44. We are going under as well. Moving on to the next game, the Eagles minus four, the Lions at plus four. This is an interesting game to me as well. A lot of really, really fun matchups to start the season. Um, in this particular game, I went back and forth a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And for me, it just comes back to Jared Goff and not believing that he's a good quarterback. Um, I thought... I've thought that since he came out of the draft. And I just, if it was six and a half, if you were getting that full touchdown, maybe I would go the Lions here. But I think the Eagles will be able to do enough to cover that four. Um, the Lions have improved, and I'm not going to say that they haven't. Uh, DeAndre Swift should have a big year. I'm a big DJ Chark fan, so I really enjoyed that they brought him in. DJ Hawkinson has gotten a little bit better. It would be nice if they had Jamison Williams, but we don't know when he's going to start playing yet. Um, Panay Sewell, they have a franchise offensive tackle at least. So do I think the Lions are going to be terrible? 
this year? No. I, I think the Lions are going to win some games that a lot of people don't expect them to. In this game, though, I, the Eagles have a lot of hype going around them. Um, and I think they're not going to be as good as we all want them to think. I think Jalen Hurts is a perfectly fine fantasy quarterback. I think he's going to have a great fantasy year. But when your team is built around a running quarterback that's really his only option, that scares me just a little. A.J. Brown should absolutely help open up this offense, at least to the air attack a little bit more. So I like the Eagles here. I like that they've had time to build around Jalen Hurts, build around build that offense around him a little bit more. So I'm taking the Eagles at the minus four. The over-under of 48.5, I could see this being a decently high-scoring game. I don't. The Eagles have a good defense, but like I said, like I think the Lions can put up some points this year. I, I think their, their offense is set up much nicer than it was last year. But at the end of the day, I think the Eagles are just going to be a little bit too much. They'll make one or two more plays than the Lions will, and they will cover that minus four. Let's move on to... The Saints and the Falcons. The Saints minus five and a half. Um, the over under is forty two and a half. Here's here's my thing with the Falcons. Everyone's already counting them off as some horrible, horrible team. And let's not get it twisted. They are not a great team, but they had seven wins last year. They were sniffing the playoffs. And I don't think them losing Matt Ryan at this point of his career necessarily kills them. I would obviously like to have Matt Ryan behind center more than Marcus Mariota. But let's not forget, when Derek Carr was out, Marcus Mariota got that Raiders offense moving a time or two. He wasn't a dead fish out there. He looked good when he had the opportunity. He has Kyle Pitts now. He has Drake London, who is projected to play. Big-bodied wide receiver, uh, rookie wide receiver. Um, so they are a little bit thin outside of that. But what What are the Saints? You know, this is a brand-new team. Drew Brees is gone. Sean Payton is gone. Jameis Winston can be the MVP of the league, or he can be a top or a bottom three quarterback this is one of those scenarios it's week one you don't really know what you're going to get yet i don't think the falcons are as bad as everyone likes to make it out that they are going to be this terrible team i'm taking the falcons this week at plus five and a half the over under of 42 and a half i would probably lean the under this seems you know until the saints get their feet under them offensively it could happen this week, but I'm not banking on it, especially with Jameis not having played in quite some time. Um, yeah, I, I really like the Falcons here at the plus five and a half. I think that's a solid pick. I'm I'm a huge fan of the Falcons this week, and we will see how they're doing, especially you know considering the fact that everyone thinks that Kyle Pitts is going to be the best tight end in the NFL, and he very well could be. The dude's a stud. Let's move on to the next game. The New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus three and a half. The over under is 46 and a half. Um, this one, 
seemed kind of easy for me at least. I am on the Patriots in a big way this week. I just, again, it's not so much about the team as a whole. Because if you look at the rosters, the Dolphins have the much more skilled team. They have the better team. They add in Tyree Kill. Mike Gesicki's a pretty decent, you know, not a bad bad guy to have at tight end either. Jalen Waddle coming off of a huge year. An awesome rookie receiver, but was overshined by other by a couple other awesome rookie receivers. Um, but the Patriots, man, it's it's the Bill Belichick factor. They've won and been an amazing team for a long time, not necessarily having the most talented roster in the world. Um, it's just what Bill Belichick can do. Mac Jones isn't Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination, but he's good enough to at least keep this team in the game. Um, I, I just, I like the Patriots here. I have to see what this new Dolphins offense is going to look like. Brand new coach. Um, I don't think that Tua is going to be able to utilize Tyree Kill in the correct way. He's just not that kind of quarterback that's going to beat you over the top. That's the kind of receiver that Tyree Kill needs to be to be effective. Um, so in a lot of ways, I I just think Tyree Kill, like he's going to be good. He's going to put up his numbers because he's awesome. But I just I just think he's going to have a very underwhelming year. I do not think Tyreek Hill is going to be a top 10 receiver this year uh, just because of the quarterback play. It's a completely different system. It's a completely different quarterback style than he's used to. I think Patrick Mahomes can probably outthrow Tua by at least 40 to 50 yards, probably standing on one foot. So um, I'm not ready to crown the Dolphins anything yet until I see how this offense is going to look. So I am taking the Patriots at the plus three and a half. The over under of 46 and a half, again, just seems so high to me in the first week in a couple teams. The Patriots offense, I don't think is going to be breaking any offensive scoring records this year. And, you know, and like I said, the Dolphins need to show what they can do offensively and show that they can use these weapons that they have before I'm going to be all bought in how they look on that side of the ball. So I really do like the under of the 46 and a half total seems very, very high and the Patriots at the plus three and a half. If it goes down to three, I would stay away from it. I really like that hook. I love, I love that the half point is there, but let's move on to our next game. Probably the worst game of the week and something that I don't think many of us are going to really care to watch. The Jacksonville Jaguars against the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are minus two and a half. The over-under is 44. I'm not going to waste a lot of time here. I'm going to just blindly take the Commanders at the minus two and a half. Not a lot of thought is going to go into it. These are two really bad teams. Um, Trevor Lawrence did not look like the Trevor Lawrence that we thought he was going to be. They added some good pieces around him, so that could definitely help him. Um, Carson Wentz is... By no stretch of the imagination, the quarterback that we used to see in um, Philadelphia. But he has his moments where he can look decent. Um, Hopefully, he can utilize Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson, who the commanders have just seemingly forgot that he was a 1,000-yard rusher last year, um, should be starting um, because, unfortunately, their rookie running back had been shot. Looks like he 
should actually be okay sooner rather than later, thank God. Um, just good for him, man, because that is a scary situation. But the commanders are missing Chase Young. Um, yeah, it, it is just not going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's going to be an ugly one. I could see the commanders winning this game like 9-6, 10-7, some stupid score like that. Uh, so let's move on. The Giants at the Titans. The Titans minus 5.5. The over-under is 43.5. The over is juiced to minus 115 on this game. Um, I love, 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 love the Titans here. I just don't think the Giants can stop the run. They are going to be missing. It looks like they're going to be missing um, Lawrence and Thibodeau from from that defensive line. And what is the one thing that you need to be able to do against the Titans is stop the run. So it's not looking good. I, I think I think the Titans can run rough shot all over the Giants. Who I mean, unless Saquon Barkley has a has a career resurgence. Unfortunately, that dude has just been injured a ton. He says he's healthy. He says he's ready to have a career year and i hope he does i think that would be great for football it'd be great for the giants um but in this situation i think the titans are just going to be able to control the ball they're going to be able to control the field that minus five and a half seems a little bit too short to me i am taking the giants at the minus five and a half that is actually my super lock of the week is the titans minus five and a half i'm loving that spread i love the titans here just seems like a really good spot especially at home against the giants team that doesn't seem that they can do it offensively and who knows if they can do it defensively so yeah titans minus five and a half super lock of the week baby but we will move on to the next game the Kansas City Chiefs at minus six against my Arizona Cardinals. The over-under is 54. Now, I don't know if you guys know the name of this podcast and what the trap game or a trap game in betting actually stands for. But if there was one, if there was a definition, it would be this game right here. Kyler Murray hasn't played. Zach Ertz seems like he's going to be out. Marcus Golden is not going to be playing on the defensive side of the ball. Doesn't seem like for the Cardinals. He's been probably their best pass rusher in the last couple years. Not named Chandler Jones. Rondell Moore, who has been practicing, should be good. They're missing DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks. Doesn't look good for the Cardinals. But when you go and you look at this game... That Chiefs minus six, everything should be screaming to take the Chiefs. But when you go on, and I know it doesn't mean everything, but ESPN, who runs these games hundreds of times, has the Cardinals winning this game at about 54, 55% of the time. So this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, I think if DeAndre Hopkins was playing, that this spread would absolutely be down a little bit closer to that um, four and a half, four range. So I, yeah, 
I, I really do like the Cardinals here just for the simple fact that it, it is screaming trap game. It is screaming. It, it is smelling fishy. I'm taking the Cardinals at the plus six and not thinking about it. Just take the Cardinals here. Cardinals plus six. Apparently, there's a lot of people that, that believe in the Cardinals this week. But we'll move on to the Packers at the Vikings. The Packers minus one and a half. The over-under is 47. Um, I'm going to take I'm gonna take the Vikings here. The Vikings are a much-improved team. They have arguably the number one receiver in the league um, in Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins, not great, but he's going to win you some ball games. Dalvin Cook's healthy. Adam Thielen. I, we're all forgetting that Adam Thielen still exists, who's always been a stud. They've added a lot of good pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and the Packers, they might be running no receivers. They already lost Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard, the only guy that's really been with Rodgers any amount of time, is is um, not looking like he's going to play. And if he does play, it looks like it's going to be on a limited basis. Um and look, it's Aaron Rodgers. We know what he can do. We know what he can he can turn nothing into something and play a good game. But I just think it's a little bit too much for the Packers to overcome against a good Vikings team. If they were playing someone like the Bears or the Commanders, someone like that, then I think the Packers, you know, are a live pick here. But to play a good team on the road when you're already thin at receiver and you're Thin at your thin spot is is just not a good good look. Um, and I like the Vikings at the plus one and a half here. We will move on to the Raiders at the Chargers. Chargers minus three and a half. Um, that that three and a half is juiced to minus one fifteen for the Chargers. The over under is fifty two and a half. Um, if you guys remember last time that these two teams played, it was just. It was a great game, but just how the end of the game was mismanaged will go down in history books. Um, that being said, I do like the. I just like this whole division this year. I think every single one of these games, every single one of these teams, week in week out, it's going to be competitive. Um, so I love. I don't love. I take that back. I do like the Raiders here at plus three and a half. Um, a much better defensive side of the ball. You have a very steady presence in Derek Carr, and now you have a top three wide receiver in that offense. Darren Waller, if he does play, that does help. But again, it'll probably be on a limited basis because he's been dealing with some injuries. But, you know, I'm going to take the Raiders. This is going to be a no bet for me either way, um, just because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But I, you guys already know I'm big on the Raiders this year. I'm big on the Chargers this year. But I do see some value in that three and a half. The Raiders played everyone tough last year, and they didn't get worse. They definitely got better on the field, at least on paper. And if that does translate to games, the Raiders are going to be a fun team to watch. Um, so are the Chargers. Like I said, at the end of the day, I don't think that even if the Chargers do lose this game, there's absolutely no reason to panic. It's it's going to be a fun season in the AFC West. It really is. Um, but yeah, we're taking the Raiders at the plus three and a half. Moving on to the Buccaneers at the Cowboys. The Buccaneers minus two and a half. 
Um, the over-under is 51. The under is juiced to minus 115. Um, I'm going to go the Buccaneers here. Uh, it just seems like the Cowboys are a little bit thin on the offensive side of the ball right now. I do love, love, love CeeDee Lamb. I think he's going to have a great year. Zeke's not the same Zeke. Tony Pollard um, obviously isn't going to start because they had to pay Zeke that outrageous amount of money. The Cowboys offensive line is banged up. I just think the Buccaneers are going to pin their ears back and go after Dak all day. Um, Chris Godwin should be playing for the Buccaneers. Now you have Julio Jones. Leonard Fournette has looked the best he's ever looked in the NFL. I just, uh, you know, and you do have a guy named Tom Brady back there that is always going to be consistent and win you a game when you shouldn't. So, yeah, Buccaneers minus two and a half. Um, that one kind of seems like an easy one for me. But, uh, yeah, 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 should be a good game. Should be a good game. And we will move on to the Monday night football game, the Denver Broncos at the Seattle Seahawks. Broncos are minus six and a half, over under 44 and a half. Um, this one's an easy one for me too. Broncos minus six and a half. They're better offensively. They're better defensively. Um, you're going into Seattle where Russell Wilson knows knows how to play his first game back. He's going to be juiced up. You get to face Drew Locke. Um, I mean, DK... DK and Tyler Lockett are awesome pieces, but you know you don't have Russell Wilson throwing to them anymore. Uh, so yeah, this one's easy for me. I'm taking the Broncos at minus six and a half. This probably will be a pretty decent sized play for me at the end of the day. Um, this is also going to be my survivor pick is the Broncos against the Seahawks. Broncos country, let's ride, baby. Let's ride. They're going to be a fun team this year. They are my pick to win that division. Um, yeah, Seahawks are going to be terrible. I, I, they're going to be a top three, top five pick in the NFL draft this upcoming season. Um, and I, and I do apologize. It's Geno Smith that's starting, but let's, let's not pretend like that's a huge, huge upgrade over Drew Locke. Um, but yeah, man, uh, week one, let's get it started Thursday night. We are going to have a, a pick show every Tuesday night. Cannot wait. Send me your guys' best plays of the week. Um, I will recap just super quick. Broncos are my survivor pick. The Titans are my super lock of the week at minus five and a half. Um, Awesome. Thank you guys for listening as always. Thank you for Belly Up Media. And we will see you guys next Tuesday. Have a great rest of your day. See you later. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.